Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Car Guide Podcast. I am LP, your host, and I'm still with Gab here in Montreal, in cold Montreal today. Hi, Gab, how are you? Good yourself. Very, very good, good. Um, we are coming back, actually coming out of the uh, LA Auto Show uh, that was uh, last week. And, uh, well, we're not going to talk about how shows are doing again. I think we've been over that. It's going to be the fifth time that we're talking about shows. But, you know, we can do a little bit of mentioning that uh, it doesn't have the energy and the buzz that the LA Auto Show used to have. However, a few key unveilings uh, that are going to be important for the automotive industry, but also for their respective automakers. Um I was there uh, early before the show because automakers tend to do, and what I was told by several automakers on site, they, they say that they're going, they're moving towards doing uh, side something on the side of the show. You know, they they want to do a few days earlier, a few days after, and they say, well, we're not going to go to the show, but we're going to try to take advantage of the buzz around it. And, you know, I, my answer to that is probably the same answer you have is, If you stop going to the show, you're not going to be able to do anything around the show anymore because there's going to be no more no more show. <laughs> I don't know what your <laughs> yeah, thoughts are about much. that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it, it's like uh, um, with regards to to uh, to that whole dynamic, it, you know, it was, it was the same thing in New York City in the spring. BMW did the reveal of the Seven Series, but it wasn't at the at the show. It was at that another venue, right? The day after and things like that. So. You know, you're right. <laughs> if, they, if they're trying to tag events around the, an auto show but off-site, yeah, you're right. Why not simply go to the to the show itself? Uh, I think it would be better, and it'd be better for the public, and be easier maybe for us uh, to cover as well. But with regards to LA this year, you know, I think the the key thing to remember here is that obviously. It was uh, more the Asian manufacturers, you know, that that are involved uh, at the show. So obviously the Koreans, you know, they they, they tend to still like you yes. know auto shows. So uh, you know, so we had Genesis, Kia, Hyundai, of course, and of course Toyota with the the Prius, um, and also uh, Subaru, Subaru as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> more and more, you know, it's it's sort of like. There's going to be an auto show if, <laughs> you know, a couple of manufacturers decide that they want to do a preview there or right. to launch a car there. Right. But other than that, you know, it's a, they're going to just morph into being a regional sales event, basically. Uh, of yeah. course. Yeah. So we did cover it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on to the unveilings. Uh, I was at a side event at the yeah. show, which was with Genesis, Hyundai and Genesis, and uh, got the chance to take a peek at the... Uh, X speedy well X concept. Um, you're familiar with the X concept at Genesis, yeah, yeah, which is that the, yeah. uh, the the sporty coupe yeah. uh, designed by um, Mr. Luke Dunkerwolk, yeah, exactly. and uh, who's uh, you know and several vehicles he's worked on. You know, small vehicles like uh, Lamborghini and yeah, yeah. Uh, Bentley Flying Spur, and a few of those uh, uh, creations that have marked the uh, automotive industry, but. 
This time, it was a convertible. First time we saw the coupe, and then it was the uh, the X-concept convertible, which it was unveiled on the beach in Malibu to kind of... Kind at of, a sunset. On, with, a, with a beautiful <laughs> sunset. And obviously, it's an electric concept, but it yeah. wants to kind of, t- you know, you know it represent the driving in the, uh, in the sun in Malibu. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, because when you look at the market, the way coupe sales are going, the way convertible sales are going, you know, that these cars are not really selling as much as they used to, uh, especially convertibles. So this idea of having a um, uh, an electric convertible is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, you know, it's. Uh, We'll see how how the how the the market reacts to this idea to this to this concept. I don't know if um, you know. I don't know if it makes sense to have an an, an electric uh, convertible, but you know they seem to think that it's a it's a good idea. Yeah, and it's a way, of course, uh, you know, broadening the the horizons for for EVs. You know, not just SUVs, not just small cars, uh, but all kinds of uh, body styles and configurations. Yeah, this concept, you know, it's the third. Uh, iteration of the concept that yeah, we course. see. Yeah. Uh, if you speak to Luke Dunkerwall, he's going to tell you, I'm pushing it. I yeah, want yeah. it to happen yeah. because it's really nice looking. But, you know, is is a convertible going to happen? Is it going to be a coupe? Is it going to be, you know, something else? I don't know. But it's pretty be- it's pretty beautiful. We don't have any specifications, of course, though, you know, of course, aside from the fact that it's going to be electric. But it was a pretty cool thing to see. Um other than that, on the Hyundai side, uh, we saw the INX6, which you drove in South Korea, but it was the North American uh, debut for this uh, this vehicle, the highly anticipated yeah. Hi- mm-hmm. INX6, uh, with the, uh, the the swooping roof line, mm-hmm. and and you know you we, we talked about it on on one of the episodes uh, yeah, of your sure. drive experience. Yeah, well, basically, you know, it's basically the platform of the Ionic Five, but a, a much lighter car, and of course, much more aerodynamic, zero point two one. Uh, coefficient of drag so that's you know it's a really aerodynamic vehicle and that's what gives it a much more range than the the Ionic 5 but of course the Ionic 5 is it's like kind of a kind of like a boxy. box so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. it looks like the first Nintendo box you know <laughs> yeah, with the color the gray colors yeah, that's a spoof of the old Volvo ad you know boxy but good <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that, you're absolutely right and it is good yeah. it is a very popular yeah. car and it's a good car but it yeah. doesn't have the same drag coefficient of course yeah, exactly. The so, so the Ionic Six, I think, is going to be a, a very, very compelling car, very compelling proposition. The key thing, as always, with electric cars is, will you be able to get one? Because I think at the beginning of the start of production for the Ionic Six, uh, Hyundai was only about able to produce about three thousand units per month. Mm-hmm. You know, that's <laughs> that's a drop in the bucket yeah. when you're considering the demand for EVs worldwide. So, <clears throat> if they can ramp up production and 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 you know have have good supply, I think that's it could be, it could be a very very interesting car. But as always, you know, again, it's uh, it's going to be the the problem with uh, uh, availability and yeah. you know be able to get your hands on one. Basically, yeah. A couple of things you mentioned about the vehicle in your test drive was also that the uh, there was limited space in the rear seating because of the swooping yeah, roof the, line. Yeah, the swooping roof line, obviously. Yeah. Uh, to the to completely the opposite of the Ionic 5. Yeah, exactly. And also I looked at the uh, some of the specifications, uh, the um, uh, the uh, the space, the cargo volume, 317, mm-hmm. which is on the low side for, for a sedan. I mean, considering when a Civic, you have upwards of 400 liters of cargo 
uh, space. That's the that's the that's the uh, the the, the uh, the trade-off for the uh, the drag coefficient, but otherwise, like you said, uh, going to be very popular. People are going to want it, and uh, it's going to be difficult to get. Yeah, exactly. You know, and when I drove it, we took off. I took off from from my hotel. The battery was at ninety-seven percent capacity, and uh, you know, it was telling me the range was going to be four hundred and fifty-five kilometers. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 really good. It's, it's really, really 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 appealing in, in terms. Of, yeah, in terms of range, absolutely. Something else in the Hyundai booth that was a kind of a surprise uh, for us, and it was a, a, a nice, a nice surprise. Uh, the uh, Envision 74 concept. Uh, you've seen this one probably in the pictures, and and it's been, it's a fully functional inspiration from the uh, the Pony Coupe concept uh, mm-hmm. that was built in 1974. And the Pony Coupe concept served as an inspiration for uh, the DeLorean uh, vehicle. And um, obviously a very retro, very sporty uh, looks, but also it combines two very, very uh, 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 interesting technologies, hydrogen fuel cell, as well as a BEV uh, mm-hmm. uh, with a battery. So that means that it uses a fuel a hydrogen fuel stack, a fully rechargeable battery in the floorboards and uh, all hooked up to an electric motor in the rear. Um, It's it's an interesting proposition. You know, Hyundai and Kia, they've been going forward with developing the technology for uh, the hydrogen uh, fuel cell. You know, for years they've been been involved with that. I remember going to Korea to drive a Kia Borrego, (laughs) you know, (laughs) with a fuel cell stack. Um, Yeah. You know, so it it goes to... show that you know they're they're really uh, obviously very much invested into EVs battery electric vehicles but also they can't neglect the fact that there's this other technology here on the side that they need to uh, I would say you know they need to research and they need to, to they think they need to research and, and master because obviously you know Toyota has been pushing hydrogen yep. uh, fuel cells for years and so uh, it, it's it's kind of a situation where you get the feeling that you know they don't want to fall behind in terms of uh, the technology so, right and using a concept car to to do it you know makes perf- makes perfect sense and uh, you can uh, it, it gives a, a high profile kind of visibility to that to that technology yeah and but uh, you know on the side you can back in back in Korea you can do it with uh, test mules that don't look anywhere as cool as this, no, as this one car. yeah of course but you can still you know again develop the technology and and they have some key people uh, over at Hyundai and Kia who are really vested in into the R&D for uh, for fuel cells. So it's interesting to see how that's going to uh, to evolve. Obviously, you know, if you look at fuel cells, you get the advantages of, uh, you know, no direct pollution and, you know, quick refilling, you know, because, yeah. you know, refilling a hydrogen tank, it takes about a little bit longer than, than filling up a gas tank with a conventional ICE uh, car. So there's there's all that that convenience, right? Obviously, if you can find hydrogen, <laughs> this is the question, right? <laughs> this is always yeah, when exactly. when we, you talk to Toyota, yeah. you know, with the with the Mirai, you talk to the engineers, yeah. and you say, you know, in California between San Diego and Los Angeles, it makes sense, but that's yeah. the that that's the place yeah. where it does. And then after that, for us, I think in Canada, we have one. Yeah. 
uh, or two uh, stations that that you know open to the public. And yeah, and there's some in BC, and there's there are two uh, in the province of Quebec. Okay, yeah, and, that's and, right, and two that's, two in Quebec. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. What I think is going to happen more for for fuel cell and hydrogen is you know trucking you know basically uh, especially not necessarily long distance you yeah maybe long distance trucking but also the short uh, short haul you know that, yes yeah, Toyota has a pilot program I think in the port of Long Beach California uh-huh. so when they unload the ships <clears throat> it's uh, trucks that are powered by hydrogen that take it to take the goods to uh, a warehouse that's you know far further away, like a hundred miles away, and right. from there it goes on to other trucks and gas power, diesel powered trucks, and that take it uh, take the, the the rest of the journey. But it's interesting because um, obviously you know this it's it's uh, if you're th- if you're thinking of trucking and hydrogen, it it makes sense. Yes, you know, the hydrogen makes sense for that for for a passenger car application. I don't really see it because basically you're going to have to duplicate the whole network of uh, infrastructure to uh, you know maybe maybe gas companies you know are going to turn into instead of uh, kind of convert yeah exactly into, yeah. To, to hydrogen but that's going to take a long long yeah, time yeah, yeah. and it's still not cost efficient yeah. also yeah difficult to make yeah, exactly. um But this concept uh, and Vision 74, maybe, you know, we were talking about how heavy uh, electric cars are now. I mean, this one with the fuel stack in the front, motor in the back. The battery. High, high, <laughs> that battery, the floor battery, and it's a 60 kilowatt, you know, a 62.4 kilowatt hour battery and the high pressure fuel, t- uh, yeah. hydrogen fuel tanks. You know, it's, it looks like a race car. Is it going to drive like a race car? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's some, something we wanted to talk to you about uh, as well at in Los Angeles with uh, Fiat coming back with the 500. But electric, yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, because when you look at uh, the, the the Fiat Five, obviously it's it's a small city car. You know, basically, and um, it it was popular in Europe, not so much here in in North America. But to have the car be reborn, so to speak, as an electric vehicle, makes perfect sense because it's a small package, and um, you know, electric drive for 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 city driving or short commutes, it it, it can work. And also, you know, they're they're they, they're going to do an, a Barth version of it. So even yes, the high performance yeah, exactly. uh, division of exactly. Fiat, yeah, exactly. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, obviously, key key features, you know. With, uh, in terms of range, it's all going to be dictated by uh, the battery capacity and things like that. But I think it's a it's a neat idea to use electric drive to sort of like um, you know have a rebirth of the uh, of the 500. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because it's not known as a reliable vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's known as a very cool looking vehicle, exactly. city car, yeah. uh, appealing. I think the base the the customer base for the the 500 is perfect for mm. to have if if they can put a a reliable electric drive, which is you know now everybody has their own technologies, but it all revolves around the same thing. And if Stellantis can can put together something that says, okay, now the Fiat 500 is much more 
reliable, quote unquote, because it's electric, you know, it could be one of the one of the top selling ones. Because what else? I mean, it's it's a it's so unique. Mm. You know, <clears throat> like I said, everything's going to come down to the the price. Also, where where is it going to be priced? Yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, whether the the public deems that uh, that the range will be sufficient. You yeah, know, because everybody's thinking about the you know I'll drive an electric car when they go six hundred kilometers or five hundred miles. And yeah, like that. That's still you know it, you can do it for certain electric vehicles, but they're way 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 expensive. Yes, and so to this idea that if you have a a smaller package, you know, like that, a city car, uh, Fiat 500e, yeah, it, it, if it's if it's priced right, it could be uh, it could be interesting. Yep. Let's uh, also mention in Los Angeles, uh, Toyota uh, yeah, g- gave us a new Prius, cool looking Prius. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, I think the coolest looking Prius ever because you know, quite yeah. frankly, even f- from the very first one, they were all kind of like frumpy looking. Oh you my know? god, <laughs> so difficult to watch exactly. just to look at. It. Yeah, it's exactly. got a Prius. But the the new one that they uh, they came up with is you know it's very very aerodynamic, obviously, but also. Kind of a cool looking car, you know, because before, yes, it was aerodynamic, especially like the Prius Prime and things like that. But I mean, the car didn't look good at all. Whereas the new one looks, you know, it looks like something that Streamlined. you could consider driving. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely more than the other yeah, exactly. contraptions. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, definitely something to uh, to look for. The new Prius, uh, it's going to attract a broader audience, I think, because it used to. You know, Prius was popular with uh, university teachers and, uh, and 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 people who didn't want SUVs, but also were 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 uh, more green conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the new Prius, uh, it's going to be commercialized um, probably. Uh, we, we, I don't think I don't see any any dates now for 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 this one, the 2023 uh, and uh, Prius and Prius Prime, uh, but we will keep you posted on the on sale date for that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about for the LA Auto Show is Subaru, the new Subaru Impreza, uh, popular vehicle in Canada for the uh, very very um, uh, powerful all-wheel drive system from Subaru. But it did lost it did lose something uh, very critical this year, and it's the manual, the fire, the the the, uh, the, uh, the manual gearbox that we uh, that was one of the last ones for the all-wheel drive cars. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know. <laughs> Like like one of our colleagues, Marc Lachapelle, it's, he always says, you know, manual gearboxes are going to become an art form you know, yeah. in the future. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, uh, the, the automatic gearboxes now are so much better and, you know, more ratios and so on and so forth. And it, you know, for a manufacturer, it doesn't make any sense anymore yeah. to develop a, a manual gearbox or to make it evolve. It's, it's, except in some, you know, very key applications, you know, like I don't think we'll ever have you know, a Ford Mustang without a manual gearbox, <laughs> right, 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 you right. know, cars like that. Yeah. But um, with regards to, to Subaru, it just, you know, they're just following the trend, you know, that's dropping the manual gearboxes is slowly fading away into the rear view mirror. Yes. You know, and uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but, you know, it, it's that's that's the that's the going trend right now. Yeah. yeah. So Subaru Impreza only CVT um, for for these uh for this new generation, uh, that's the continuously variable transmission. And uh, 
a few other things happened to the vehicle. The RS uh, version of the Subaru Impreza also comes back. Uh, it was uh, reminiscent for the 2.5 RS, so they brought back a 2.5 liter engine, but not very high horsepower uh, uh, engine, uh, con- considering the uh, uh, the fact that it's maybe when it loses the manual transmission, there's no point either going with a CVT, a high powered vehicle with a CVT. Mm-hmm. So we'll see about that. And uh, good, good LA Auto shows not quite what we were expecting of course from the last uh, auto shows before the pandemic but still a very cool event So, Gabrielle, a couple of weeks back, uh, you went uh, to Sweden uh, to check out uh, Volvo's newest creation, the electric EX90. Yeah, exactly. You know, Volvo obviously um, did a big, uh, big show uh, for this reveal of the um, EX90, which is a large SUV, electric uh, SUV with three rows of, uh, of seating. So... It's going to be built, not in Sweden, <laughs> it'll oh. be built in China. Oh, really? And also in the U.S. Okay. And it's going to come on the market in the second half of uh, 2023 as a 2024 model. Right. So, in terms of styling, it's inspired by the uh, concept recharge that Volvo showed in uh, 2021. And uh, obviously, it's very aerodynamic uh, vehicle. It's it's a large SUV. You know, it's like a three row SUV, but it's still zero point two nine, which is not bad uh, for such a such a big and tall tall vehicle. And it looks boxier than than point two nine. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. You know, obviously, visually, it's got all the typical Volvo trademark cues. You know, the Thor hammer and the and the headlights, the vertical tail lights as well. Right. Um, in terms of um, how it's built, it, obviously, it's got a big battery. It's 111 kilowatt hours uh, of capacity. So it's, it's quite, oh, wow. quite a large battery. You know, obviously, with uh, two electric motors uh, equivalent to 569 horsepower and 671 pounds-feet of torque. So Jesus. obviously, quite powerful. And, um, you know, we're looking right now because in terms of... Um, how much range is it, is it going to get? Volvo is, uh, is saying that it's going to get like 600 kilometers with, uh, that's according to WLTP. Yeah, the European standard. Exactly, yeah. which is, you know, more uh, optimistic. So, you know, in terms of the EPA range, we can figure a little over 500, like 534, maybe something like that. Uh, again, in perfect uh, ideal con- condition. It's not, you know, obviously it's not the first uh, electric SUV that Volvo has put on the market. You know, mm-hmm. We have the XC40 Recharge and the C40 Recharge right now. But this one, I think, really um, is, the, is the real kickoff to their transition to, to uh, electric mobility. Because, you know, by the time that we get to, I think, uh, 2030, they're, they're not going to make anything but uh, electric vehicles. So <clears throat> it's going to be, and, and from now until... 
2030, they plan to introduce a new electric vehicle every year. So, okay. you know, very much, you know, accelerating this, this transition towards uh, electric drive at Volvo. But what about Polestar? I mean, Volvo yeah. started Polestar. It was, it was the, the, ma- the motorsport uh, wing of the manufacturer with, with, you know, we remember the, the gas powered vehicle Polestar mm-hmm. engineered. And then that's the was, you know, you, you, you could buy a, a Polestar engineer tuned for the vehicle. It was like a factory made. And, now they converted they said well Polestar is going to be Volvo's electric you know a couple of years back I remember Volvo's electric you know uh, uh, it's going to be converted from motorsport to electric and developing new new uh, uh, electric technologies but now Volvo uh, is obviously going all electric so yeah. Polestar is it only for because I, we've only seen you know, like, uh, uh, sportier coupes, but now the Polestar coming on with with uh, uh, the SUV. How is it? You know, in your opinion, because we we can't tell the, the, the you know what 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 it, what it all going to become. But what do you think is going to happen with those two brands? Well, you know, obviously they're both both going to be chasing the same customer. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm know? saying, right? But so. but they're trying to to to, to carve these uh, different identities, these two different characters. You right. know, Volvo is always going to be about safety and then to that end as a matter of fact the EX90 is going to have a LiDAR system uh, it's going to have like five radars like uh, eight cameras it's it they're really pushing very much on on safety yeah. and this vehicle will be able to recognize a pedestrian in fog or at night from 250 meters away things like that so mm-hmm. Volvo is always pushed on uh, on safety I think it's going to be interesting because maybe they're going to make that pitch that Volvo is going to be the, the pushing the safety aspect, and Polestar maybe performance. Yeah, well, that's you know, interesting. That's that's there'll be a different kind of branding. Yeah. But obviously the technologies are going to be shared. Yeah. Platforms are going to be shared, and uh, so it, it. But it, you know, you could say the same thing with Volkswagen and Audi. You know, they're both moving to our electric drive, the ID4 and the Q4 e-tron, but still the same. You know, kind of battery, same platform, yes. but a completely different vehicle in terms of the way they drive. Yeah. So I think that's the way that Polestar is going to go. I think Polestar is going to go more like towards you know performance, mm-hmm. and Volvo is going to go more towards luxury, comfort, things like that. Okay. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> but it makes my, sense. My I mean, we 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 <laughs> you know it, all the cards were shuffled with Polestar and stuff, yeah, and yeah. then it was supposed to be only there was they would say it's only electric with Polestar and then we still had the 2 liter turbocharged supercharged you know T6 engine T5 uh, uh, T5 T6 yeah. and T8 iterations but but it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they're going to go yeah. you know after the same customer but not for the same reason or not the same the same aspects So Gab uh a couple of weeks back, I went to uh, Vancouver Island at the uh, Vancouver Island Motorsport uh, Circuit, uh, which is uh, near Victoria, to drive a vehicle that hasn't lost its manual gearbox yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and also a, a, a hot hatch, uh, a five-door vehicle, kind of like the Subaru Impreza, but uh, uh, much more... Um, uh, much different and much more geared towards enthusiasts. And we're talking about the Toyota uh, GR Corolla. Uh, the GR Corolla is not your typical Corolla. And people think that, well, it's built on the same 
uh, frame, same platform as it is, but it it uses much more bracing and uh, hundreds more welds to be able to keep it yeah. uh, together, together. <laughs> <laughs> on the track and to keep it in, in, in you know straight and and stuck to the ground. And uh, the vehicle obviously uses all all uh, all of the uh, the uh, the Toyota. Uh, uh, technologies from the Corolla, the inside, if you step into the GR Corolla, it kind of looks like a Corolla. It's not, you know, and it's in the same fashion as uh, the GTI and the Golf R that have gone, moved towards the screen and digital mm-hmm. and gave up a little bit of that that flair, that, that uh, uh, textures that we liked. So you see a lot of piano black and a lot of, of, of stitching uh, to justify kind of uh, a higher price for this vehicle. But I, I think the key thing you mentioned is, you know, all this bracing. They, obviously, they want to make the car as stiff as possible because yes. if the chassis is stiff, then you can tune the suspension for, for performance and right. things like that. But what's interesting to me is is, is that, that you know, turbocharged, that very small engine with a, with a, with a turbo on top. Definitely, you know, yeah. That sounds pretty... It's a three-cylinder, yeah, exactly. 1.6-liter engine, so a very, you know, they. I think they cram like 22 foot, uh, 22 psi of pressure boost for the turbo for wow. the turbocharger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, there's two variants, right? There's one, one. Uh, actually, there's three. There's core, circuit, and Morizo. Morizo is the one that has the more uh, torque, which is 300 horsepower, but 295 foot pounds of torque. Mm-hmm. The other variants have 273 foot pounds of torque. So it's still very powerful, very gutsy for a three-cylinder engine. Uh, when I drove it on the circuit, I drove the Maurizio, um, uh variant, which is limited to 10 examples in Canada. And uh, I'll tell you later how, why it's called Maurizio, but it felt like the three-cylinder was um, under 3,000 RPM, Nothing. a little bit of lag. Nothing. If, if, you, <laughs> if you ask a three-cylinder 1.6 liter, I mean, it's the displacement, it's yeah, physics. Exactly, yeah. You know, uh, good yeah. ball bearings, good uh, 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 piping from the intercooler, from the, the turbocharger to the intercooler, trying to get that pressure back into the admission, huh. uh, the, 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 uh, the, intake, the intake, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is a challenge that, you know, years of turbocharging technologies have taken to be able to reduce lag. Mm. But still, when you have that small d- 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 of displacement, I mean, you know, it takes a little bit more time, but it's kind of, it's still impressive that they made it uh, earlier, you know, like it's, it doesn't take until 45,000, uh, 4,500 RPMs to be able to have some fun. Um, so basically you're saying from 3,000 to Redline, it's a it's happy camper. Armageddon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, maybe not Armageddon, but, but very happy camper. Mm. Uh, like you said, very fun to drive, very nimble vehicle. Uh, and, and, but not only, you know, I can talk about it on the racetrack and say, well, it handles well. You know, it doesn't show any body roll in the corners. Of course, it's 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 fun, but they let us go out uh, in in some of the windy roads on Vancouver Island, and I noticed that this the, the car it has a, a um, uh, the, the not the drive mode selector, but it, it, it's called the, the GR4 all-wheel drive system. You can yeah. go 50-50 front and rear, uh, 60, 40 and 30, 70 for like, a, a, you know, like a, a other application, road applications and be able to, to dial the all wheel drive system going from road to gravel and throwing that vehicle around. I kind of felt like it was like a, 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 
you know, driving the the the, the uh, early 2000s all-wheel drive WRX. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's very yeah, very yeah. Uh, uh, fun, very very uh, uh, dynamic, and it, it will it definitely put a smile on my face to yeah. be able to go on the road with this vehicle, let alone being being able to drive it on the track. Yeah, it's kind of cool that you mentioned that that you can sort of like. Uh, Uh, tune, if so to speak, the the the, the all-wheel drive, or uh, you know, the the send more power to the to the rear yes. and things like that. Fully you, balanced, exactly. uh, super super uh, used to have that back yep. in the day. You know, you had that that dial on the cent- center console, which was like the center diff, so you could you could send more power to the rear, yeah, or to less to the front, things like that. So it's kind of cool that they they decided to go uh, to go that way. Yeah, and it's interesting also because you know. Toyota, when you think of Toyota, you think of uh, beige Corollas driving very slowly in the left lane with a blinker on for kilometers <laughs> on end. You don't necessarily think about an all-wheel drive hot hatch with a turbo three-cylinder engine. Right. <laughs> that, that, that sounds pretty wicked. So uh, it, it kind of goes against the uh, goes against the grain, so to speak. But yeah, it shows that they. They, Toyotas can be interesting if you let the engineers loose and if you give them enough uh, enough loose rope. <laughs> right, right, right. But talking about that, yeah. the Maurizio variant, yeah. Maurizio is the nickname of I, um, uh, Akio Toyota, which is the head at Toyota. Yeah, exactly. And he's, Maurizio is his racing name or moniker, and he apparently is a very hands-on person when it comes to, to testing the vehicles. He races some of the vehicles. He tests uh, factory cars right out of the factory. And they they kind of want, they named a variant after him, kind of wanted, wanted to show that, hey, you know, fun to drive cars are not gone at Toyota. We're not only known for the Camrys and the taxi cars and whatnot. And so they gave, they gave him, uh, they gave his name to one of the more aggressive variants yeah. of the vehicle. And it's a good idea on the engineers uh, who developed this program to name one of the models with the nickname of the boss because then he can't axe the program. You know, he can't kill it. He's invested personally in that. Um, you were uh, you were in uh, Spain uh, yeah. uh, earlier and yeah. uh, driving uh, one of uh, Audi's latest, uh, the Audi R8 GT. Yeah, exactly. Audi uh, R8 model. Everybody's familiar with the the R8. You know, uh, Audi's uh, sports car uh, shares a lot of uh, components with the Lamborghini Huracan, namely that uh, fabulous, normally aspirated 5.2 liter V10 oh, engine. Oh my God, so so beautiful to exactly. drive. So beautiful to hear as well. And but you know, the R8 for a long, long time was an all-wheel drive car, and then they developed this uh, R, this uh, rear-wheel drive variant. So making it obviously. Uh, Uh, no, no front, no front diff. <laughs> yeah, <know>? light. <laughs> you know, lighter. Yeah, a little bit lighter. And but always, you know, in, in the past couple of years, the high performance version of the V10 was only on the Quattro car. You know, only on the all-wheel drive car. And the rear-wheel drive car had a lower horsepower grade of that same. 5.2 liter V10. Right. So it's like 612 horsepower with the all-wheel drive and 563 horsepower with the rear-wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> with the RAGT, they put the big engine, you know, the high-powered version of the engine with the the rear-wheel drive. And that's, that's really what's new about this car. It's like you get the full pop, 612 horsepower 
in a rear-wheel drive package. That sounds absolutely lovely. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bonkers. And <clears throat> the key thing about the uh, this RAGT is that, first of all, it's a limited production. They're only building 333 cars for the world. Only 10 will be sold in Canada, 150 uh, in the U.S., and the rest will be scattered throughout you know, the, the, the other markets. But what's really cool about this one is that they've developed a, a new, um, uh, new drive mode, which is called Torque Rear. So basically, on the steering wheel, you have four buttons. They're, they're called the satellite buttons, you know, knobs that you, can, that you can turn. And the drive mode button, when you select Torque Rear, you now get seven different levels of intervention for the um, uh, the wheel spin regulation, but right. also for the electronic stability control. Okay. So, if you leave it at one, you know you still get you know, your your electronic driving aids. When you go all the way up to seven, <laughs> oh, it gets a little bit lower, more lenient. Uh, you can drift the car. Okay. okay? So they had a drift uh, parkour. Uh, in the in the paddock at uh, Circuito Monte Blanco, just outside Sevilla, Spain. So the first order of business was just just that: get in the car, you know, drive it, up, put it in second gear, dial the torque mode to seven, and just you know crank the wheel and then punch the gas and hang on. I've you seen know. you do do that before on video as <laughs> yeah. well. I think it's not the first time. Well, you'll you'll be able to check out the video. It's going to be on the website. It's yes. pretty pretty cool looking. So, anyways, so we did. Uh, I did a you know. I don't know five seven minutes of, of drifting and that's all it took to you know get rid of one set of rear tires you know they're, <laughs> they're pretty much done by that point and then <clears throat> i switched to another car and i drove it on the on the track on the on the road course um it's a fabulous car obviously you know it goes like hell and what's amazing about this engine is that it's it's rpm limit is eight thousand seven hundred rpms you know it's pretty high yes and when the engine is running at that speed each one of the pistons that is moving, each one of the 10 pistons, covers a distance of 27 meters at every second. Okay? <laughs> that's an interesting, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a fun fact to know. Exactly. So wow. when you think about it, you, you know, you're in the car, you're driving, you hear, Wah! like that, and then you th- start thinking about it and talking to the engineers, and that's the piston is covering 27 meters per second. It's unbelievable when you think about it. And... Um, it's it's it, from from just the speed of the movement of the piston. It's almost equivalent to a Formula One engine. Yeah, you know. So, and again, you know, normally aspirated, so that glorious, glorious sound. The gearbox, obviously, seven-speed dual clutch. They shortened the ratios. You know, and the the, the car shifts faster than the other R8s. Um, adaptive suspension, obviously, carbon ceramic brakes, standard. Uh, Morelli, uh, Michelin Sport Cup 2 tires, standard, <laughs> you oh, know, geez. very, very grippy stuff. Yeah. Um, all the carbon fiber aerodynamic devices. So, you know, front splitter, winglets on the side of the front fascia, carbon fiber, swan neck mounted rear wing, the whole width of the car in the back. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a proper looking machine and it goes like hell and it's a lot of fun. And obviously, because... You don't have the all-wheel drive. The steering is very, very direct, you know, so it turns in way sharper than the uh, R8 Quattro. Right. Um, it's a little bit slower on the 0 to 100, but that's because it doesn't have all-wheel drive. Right. So you're going like 3.4 instead of 3.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the all-wheel drive car will be quicker because the front <laughs> front tires yes. are contributing to moving the car forward. 
which you don't have here. Um, they've also, you know, developed stuff like uh, crazy stuff, like a uh, sway bar that's made out of uh, plast- uh, carbon reinforced, uh, carbon fiber reinforced plastics and aluminum just to make it lighter. Wow. <laughs> so the car weighs 1,570 kilos. I think it's 20 kilos lighter okay. than the, the previous R8 um, rear wheel drive. Like I said, goes like hell, sounds like like uh, bad out of hell, and they're only making 333, and only 10 are available in Canada, and it's going to cost well over 250 grand. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, three colors only. Three colors only yeah. as well. So Daytona gray, Suzuka gray, and Tango red. <laughs> that's it. It's so it's it's kind of the one of the last ones, right? Exactly. Uh, I, you vehicle. know, obviously. Obviously, I think it's the last. It's the swan song. Yeah, I think for the for the for the V10 normally aspirated because you know it's it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher for car manufacturers like Audi or Lamborghini to have these engines meet you know the new emission regs. Right, and so which it, keep getting tougher and exactly tougher. they keep getting tougher and moving the needle. So eventually, you know, a car like the R8 <clears throat> is going to be electrified in some way yeah so you, you can start thinking maybe you know the, the next one will maybe be a hybrid or obviously won't have a v10 normally aspirated engine probably right. v8 turbo something like that you know they're, they're gonna have to move in that direction and to electrify uh the car for you know for the next gen that's that's for sure so yeah, if you really want to get your hands on a V10 powered, normally aspirated sports car, now's your chance. Yes. <laughs> Drive him if you either, got him. Either that or a Lamborghini Huracan, and right. you know, for a limited time only, as they say. <laughs> So Christmas is coming uh, next uh, in the next weeks, uh, but we'll have we're not we're not uh, going to stop uh, doing the podcast obviously because it's Christmas and we're still driving cars in the in the winter and in the snow. But you're not going anywhere near where it's cold for your next <laughs> test drive, which is the uh, new Audi Q8 e-tron. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to. Uh Lanzarote, that's uh, one of the islands in the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa. It belongs to Spain. And that's where Audi is going to launch uh, the Q8 e-tron. Now, you're, you're starting to think, okay, Q8, we know what that is. The, you know, it's the coupe of the uh, coupe version of the Q7. The e-tron, we know, is their SUV, electric-powered SUV. But now they're matching those two names together. Uh, which does not mean that the Q8 <laughs> with, a, with a gasoline engine is disappearing from nope. the. You know, it's still going to, to to be the Q8, but they've decided to give the the Q8 moniker to the uh, to the e-tron Quattro, which will be available obviously um, uh, either as a SUV but also in the sportback uh, configuration. Gotcha. And um, <clears throat> what's interesting. But that's for the world market. For for Canada, we're only going to get the uh, the SUV uh, SUV version. But essentially, what they've done with this car, <clears throat> you know, it's been four years since the uh, Audi e-tron Quattro has been on the market. Yeah, here. it's an old, yeah, it's old it's one, SUV. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you know, with the Jaguar I-Pace, I think uh, obviously the first and the Model Y. Yeah, but then that one came came shortly thereafter. So, what they've done with this one. 
is they're, they're, they've tweaked the energy management system and in order to give the car much, much more range. So it's going to be interesting to see what we get uh, real, real world. But what they're announcing right now is they're, they're looking at 582 uh, kilometers for the SUV and 600 for the Sportback. Wow, that's, yeah. uh, that's daring. <laughs> yeah, the, again, that's WLTP, you know, yeah. the, so. So we're, we're, we're looking something, you know, closer to just a shade above 500 for us, you know, probably 520 uh, kilometers. If you, if you're thinking of making, if you're making that conversion to the, right, to the EPA range, Environmental Protection Agency, which is more, more realistic. So that is a huge, you know, huge change yep. for, for the e-tron uh, quattro to, 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 to have that much more range. So that's, that's going to be the, 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 the key, uh, the key thing. So, um, the other thing too is, you know, they've, they've changed the, uh, the rear engine, the rear motor. It's got now 14 coils instead of 12, which makes, makes it more powerful. Mm-hmm. But in order to maintain a certain given speed, it requires less energy. So it's either, <laughs> you know, that contributes also to the, to the more range. To the more range factor. Yeah. Vehicle. So if you want the full oomph of the, uh, you know, if you step on the, on the throttle, you get, much more power. Ah, it's like it's like cylinder deactivation, it's but for, <laughs> for, sort of, for an electric kinda, motor, <laughs> kind of, sort of, you know. So, um, <clears throat> so like that. Um, obviously, it's an it's an SUV. It's got uh, air suspension. Kay. You can adjust the ride height to go off road, things like that, which you could do uh, with the e-tron Quattro before, but they obviously have kept that for uh, for the Q8. And, uh, you know, they've tweaked uh, other stuff. They've tweaked the suspension. They've tweaked the steering. But again, the key thing is just that, <clears throat> you know, more, you'll be able to get more range out of that uh, electric SUV than before. And so I think uh, we'll get a closer or a more accurate um, idea of uh, what kind of range can be expected after driving the vehicle, obviously. Right. But so far on paper, that's what we're looking at right now, and it's. I think it's going to make it a more compelling proposition than than it than it is currently. Yep. Because it has more, uh, you know, more range, and that's. Uh, evidently what everybody's looking for yes in terms of uh, electric SUVs cool I'm uh, for my part I have much less to say about my my preview it's uh a couple of weeks back, I was in Japan. Uh, drive. We drove an Acura prototype. I can't tell you anything about it. However, the embargo lifts uh, at the end of the month, which is uh, in uh, the beginning of December. Next time we speak, we'll be able to. I'll be able to tell you all about that Acura prototype that I drove on uh, Honda's research and development track in Japan at Motegi. Yes. <laughs> So thank you for listening. Uh, Stay tuned for uh, the sixth episode uh, in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll be able to cover more news until then and uh, for our uh, next test drive uh, before Christmas. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.